Greetings and welcome to Season 2, Episode 30 of the Harmonious Living Podcast with your host, Naima. Today is a very special episode and you may hear me say that often, but today I really mean it. And it's because my special guest today, Rukia Michelle, is celebrating a milestone birthday. So first of all, I want to say happy birthday to Rakia Michelle. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Rakia Michelle is a storyteller. However, it's a label she spent most of her adult life denying. In addition to being a communications professor, Rakia Michelle is now building a business as a thoughtful life coach, specializing in language and confidence coaching. She's also using her gift of storytelling as a ghostwriter and as the host of the Soul Stories podcast, which, by the way, is heading into its third season. The Soul Stories podcast is a platform where Black stories are told and celebrated. This is her second time appearing on the podcast. She was first in season one episode five. So I encourage you to take a listen to that. But in the meantime, today we are delving into our exploration of the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And today's agreement, the first agreement, be impeccable with your word, is one that we both feel very strongly about. And I can't wait for you to hear from Rakia Michelle. Stay tuned. This episode of the Harmonious Living Podcast is sponsored by Harmonic Soul Wellness. Have you been doing the same thing and hoping for different results? Have you been looking to add more variety to your current eating habits? Are you ready for transformation from the inside out? Then the 90 Days to Wellness plant-based eating program is for you. Learn how to stop dieting and start eating to live. You can find us on the web at HarmonicSoulWellness.com or contact us at 619-752-0462. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Harmonious Living Podcast. I'm your host, Naima, and Every time I have a guest on, you hear me say that my guest is special. And today is no different. I'm always going to say that because everybody that I have on here is special. And I am so happy to have Rakia Michelle with me today. So welcome, Rakia. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be here as always. Thank you. And so what I will share with y'all is that um, Rakia was on an earlier episode, as a matter of fact, in my very first season. 
And we did a two-part episode. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to that because I'm not going to go into my usual um, formalities of usually I start each episode by asking a guest um, where they're from and a little bit about their wellness journey. So what I will share, however, on today's episode is that Rukia is my sister from another mister. And we have known each other for close to 25 years. And so every single time that we talk, it is so rich. It is so thought provoking. We laugh our asses off and it is just so full. And so today I am just so excited about this conversation we're about to have, because as I've mentioned in the introduction, we have been covering the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz on this podcast. And Rukia, who is a communications professor, has been a um, very much an advocate and a student of these teachings. And so I'm super excited to begin this conversation. And so to me, let me just say this right off the bat. I think that this book should be required curriculum in speech classes and in communication classes. Would you agree, Rakia? In fact, not only would I agree, but I use this book when I teach interpersonal communication. This is part of my personal curriculum. Um, I don't require them to purchase the book, but I do bring in the book um, for several lessons. So yes, I would agree. I think that this is a profoundly important book for communication and especially interpersonal communication courses, relationship-based courses with ourselves and others. Absolutely. Yes. And just again, for the sake of refreshing, the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. And as we think about, you know, how we want to show up in the world and, and operating in integrity and authenticity, on the surface level, that agreement seems to make so much sense, right? Like we would just be doing it automatically. But talk about what that means to be impeccable with your word. Well, thank you so much. So Thank you for having me. And I am so pleased and honored that you are covering the four agreements um, as a series, because as you said, I am an advocate. I'm a student. I love this book. And it is definitely in my top five favorite books of all time. Um, I think it is incredibly important. I think everyone should read it. When we think about being impeccable with our word, as you said, you would think consciously that. Of course, I'm being impeccable with my word. But in fact, no, we are not. (laughs) Even those of us who, like myself, who who are generally consciously mindful of our words and who are generally intentional about our words, we are still part of this human experience. And so we are not always as impeccable as we need to be. Even for those of us who are kind of in that realm where we're thinking about that thing. And so therefore, um, it is so crucial that that we get more and more intentional about the words that we use around ourselves, about ourselves and others as well, but definitely about ourselves. The truth is we use our words against ourselves more frequently than one might imagine. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because let's talk about some of the ways. And, and this is something that people do so often that they may not even catch themselves doing, which is complaining, blaming, um, not taking responsibility for the realities that we're creating. So talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, complaining is a big one. And of all the ones that I think I struggle with, it's probably this one. You know, I tend to not speak ill of myself, but the complaining zone, I will get in that one um, too frequently and stay too long. Mm. Um, luckily, you know, I'm blessed and fortunate enough to have people in my life, you and, you know, other people I could go on all day and name names, but people who kind of reel me back in. And so I can appreciate that. But we don't recognize oftentimes that when we are complaining, what we are really doing is, as we say, we're adding fuel to the fire. So as we're complaining, our word is being used to, um, to strengthen that complaint that we're even making, whether it's about complaining about the weather, complaining about other people, complaining about the job, complaining about the neighbors, you name it. Every time we speak that complaint, it is giving it more energy, which then gives it more, um, uh, gives us a, a greater experience with it. So all it's doing is prolonging that circumstance that we really don't even want to experience or find ourselves in anyway. And so I would challenge all of us to really stop and think about when we're complaining. So for example, um, as you know, you know, you and I share a, a, a gratitude practice that we share together. And everyone who knows me also knows that the thing I abhor, the two things I abhor most in life are cats and cold weather. <laughs> and so I moved to Houston not to be cold, right? But on occasion, every year, there's somewhere between 10 and 15, I'll even say between five and 15 days between like November and March, there's going to be between five to 15 days of what I would consider cold weather, you know, something under 50 lows getting down. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it was only going to be about 34 this morning when I got up and that's cold, um, you know, cold for Houston. Right. But recently about a week ago, there was gonna be some days that it was down to 19 degrees. Like it was gonna feel that cold. Like it was, the temperature was gonna be maybe 27, but with the wind and all that, it would feel like it was 19 degrees. And anyone who knows me knows, okay, I'm about to get on Facebook and I'm about to start cutting up. But I made a conscious decision not to do that. And I have two girlfriends also from Chicago who live here in Houston, actually, more than two, but two in particular, that when we all see these weather reports, we will start to tag one another. Like, come look at this bullshit, right? This is what we'll do. So one of them tagged me, but I had already made a set an intention to not complain about the weather because one, ain't nothing I could do about it. <clears throat> and two, I didn't want to give energy to this thing. So I made an intention to find gratitude 
in that experience. And I even shared it with her that I was going to do this. And I especially shared it with her because I noticed that over the last several weeks, she's been posting affirmations every day. And I said, okay, I'm going to help her without her even knowing I'm gonna help her with this. And so what I did was I said, well, I decided to look at it from a place of gratitude. And I listed like some quick gratitudes. I am grateful that I can be in my warm home. I am grateful for footies. I am grateful for this bomb adult um, boozy hot chocolate. I'm grateful for um, the fact that I tend to work at home and therefore I don't have to actually go outside. And so I just listed, you know, several things because I thought it's cold outside and I could be in a position where I have to be outside either to go to work or even to do my work outside. So instead of complaining about the weather, I'm going to um, show gratitude for all the things that make it possible for me not to have to really even interact with the cold that's happening right mm -hmm. um I'll tell you another quick story I have a friend who um <clears throat> one of my closest girlfriends uh Kina Kina knows all about manifestation and setting intention and all of that as we as and that's the thing we are not um what do you call immune to using words against ourselves because we know these things because as I said earlier we still are operating in this very human experience and so Kina would get on Facebook and say how she hates doing her expense reports every month. She hates it, hates it, hates it, hates it. So one day I said, oh, okay, let me help my friend. So I went and sat down and I wrote up a whole mantra, um, like a whole manifesto, if you will, because you know the language manifesto is my thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a whole manifesto and I gave it to her. And it said something more like, I, I love creating my... Um, expense reports because my money is returned to me on time my money is returned to me a hundredfold it allows me to claim all of my expenses and so I just set the stage for instead of thinking about how much you hate the financial reports and submitting them look at what you get on the other end you get all your money back that you have a job that will compensate you for whatever you spend in the um you know, in the work that you're doing. For example, like teachers, oftentimes teachers spend money for their classrooms that they have to come up with or figure out on their own. They don't get reimbursed oftentimes from schools. So I wanted her to see, we can do this, right? We can do this and we can look at this from a positive perspective. And all of us need someone in our, in our lives who will reel us back in so that we are not sitting around complaining and adding fuel to this fire that we already don't want to be in. Oh my God. So well said. <laughs> that is so important. And I absolutely agree that it, the reframe that you made with the gratitude is so beautiful and so important. And it's an excellent tool to have in our toolkit when we catch ourselves complaining, when we catch ourselves using our word in a way that is counterproductive to ourselves. And for those who don't know, you know, the agreements are beliefs that we've taken on, things that we heard from other people, things that we, we have decided that what this person is saying is true. Um, and then we in turn, we internalize that 
and then start using it towards ourselves. And so, of course, our self-talk, that tape that's running constantly is what is shaping the experiences that we're having. And so it's so important to, to remember that, but also to have people around us who remind us. And when we are not able to catch ourselves, to have other people who can help redirect us and give us a reframe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So good. Oh my goodness. Well, I think this is a good place for us to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about how we use our language and we're going to talk about suffering. So stay tuned, everybody. Tune in to you and make 2022 your year of healthy living with the 30 Days to Healthy Living program. Using this holistic program, you'll create a foundation for a healthy lifestyle, regardless of your current lifestyle. For more info, click the link in the show notes. And welcome back, everyone. So, oh my God, I told y'all this conversation was going to be fire. I just knew it. And so before the break, we were talking about reframing and using our language against ourselves. And one of the things that happens when we use our language against ourselves, when we use our word against ourselves, is that we create suffering in our lives. And sometimes the suffering is a result of us not saying what we actually want. Sometimes our suffering is a result of not believing that we can have certain things. And so I love the fact that you brought up the power language manifesto. So let's, let's dive into that. What is the power language manifesto and what are some ways that we can use our language to get ourselves out of suffering? Mm. Well, thank you. That was a good question that I wasn't really expecting. <laughs> um, so the Power Language Manifesto is something that I came up with a couple of years ago now. I can't even believe like how long that's been <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. It's been two years um, this month. And it is designed as a kind of very rich affirmation but it's a personal, it's personal. It's very personal to you. You know, affirmations oftentimes um, are general, not, not a bad thing, just, you know, just what it is. So it's kind of like an affirmation and a mantra and a personal constitution all rolled into one, you know, like a personal statement. And so the idea around the power language manifesto is that a person, and I work with people, you know, when I'm coaching people, I work with them to create a manifesto that is designed just for them. And it becomes like their thing. And I also encourage people to, you know, design it so that they can hang it and put it on the wall and see it every day, like we would any other affirmation. But this is one that's very personal and resonates with them. And the goal is that they are constantly using their language to reinforce what they want to see for themselves, how they want to feel about themselves, what they want to experience in their lives. And 
In the Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz talks about um, the notion that our language or words are spells and that we are constantly casting these spells upon ourselves. Um, in fact, he even says that words are the most powerful tool that we have as humans. And we have to use that. And to be honest, if I can extend that a bit further, for those um, listeners who um, align with the Christian belief system, I can't speak to others, but for those listeners who align with the Christian belief system, you already know this and believe this by virtue mm -hmm. of the fact that it is believed that God said, let there be light. So there was the word that went forward that created humanity, that created the, the world that we know today. Um, we, in the Bible, it talks about, you know, ask, you do that with your mouth, with your words, speak, you know, all of these things are right there in that spiritual tradition. And so when Don Miguel Ruiz says it, it just adds to the fact that the notion of the power of words is not some hokey pokey, hocus pocus kind of thing or what have you. It is deeply rooted in a lot of tradition and a lot of ideas. And so when I go work with a, a client to create their power language manifesto, it is done with the intention that they are creating a, a script. Because as you mentioned, we are given these um, stories from other people. We are given these scripts from other people. And we have to take the power back over our lives by creating our own scripts. Mm -hmm. Not just the scripts that empower us, but to recognize the scripts that don't even belong to us. Right? That part. Because of, <laughs> right? Because a lot of the scripts that we are functioning on, we didn't write them. We didn't create them. We didn't design them. We're just going along with what someone else said. And something else that Don Miguel Ruiz says that I like, and he actually talks about this um, in agreement number two, which is don't take things personally. Mm -hmm. And in that agreement, and I'm gonna connect it back to agreement number one, but he talks about um, how People will speak well of us. They'll like give us compliments and then they'll also criticize us and how we are not supposed to take any of that personally, right? Mm -hmm. Their praise is about them. Their criticism is also about them. Don't take that personally. And so when we connect that back to using our words and, and, and being impeccable with our word, we have to realize that we have to use our words in ways that empower us that motivate us and lift us and how sometimes the words that we're using are based on those praises and or criticisms that we've gotten from other people, yes. right? You're an excellent writer. Well, the minute that Naima no longer says that to me, now I'm over here thinking, am I really an excellent writer? Because Naima hasn't said that to me in so long. So I have to be able to create the power language manifesto that reminds me every single day that I am a good writer. Not because Naima said so, but because I am. Mm -hmm. I, I just am, you know? And we forget, we forget how powerful words are. And, I, and, and what's so sad <clears throat> is that 
I don't know about other cultures. I can't speak to, to their experience, but in our culture, somewhere around the age between one and seven, somewhere between the ages of one and seven, a little black kid has heard, and, and I'll even say maybe white in America, but definitely, you know, I, I think it's an American thing, but definitely a little black child between the age of one and seven has heard the phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And I'm here to tell everyone that that is a big ball face lie. Mm -hmm. Words mm -hmm. hurt. Words can heal. Words can elevate. And words can and do tear down. And it is important that we are not the people who are using those words against ourselves, that we are not casting spells against ourselves. And that's one reason why I do, you know, the Power Language Manifesto and when I'm teaching vision board sessions and all those things is that it is so imperative that we use the word for our good, for our benefit. And that's the most important part of it. I mean, also we have the piece where he talks about not lying, not bearing false witness and not gossiping and rumors and all of that. And all of that is so incredibly important to our human experience. But before we can get to any of that, we have to use the word impeccably. We have to use it well with ourselves. And we are not doing that enough, but we can. And I think step one is to make sure that we surround ourselves with people who understand the importance of language. Mm -hmm. who, in, who understand that language is a creation tool. When we have people around us like that, that is one of the most significant things that we can ever have in our tool. When we talk about our, our tools and our, our wheelhouse and our, our toolkit and all that, mm -hmm. sometimes one of the biggest tools that we can have really are the people that we surround ourselves with because they will reel us back in. Case in point. You will real you will drag me, whew, sis. We're gonna come up out of that. <laughs> sis, let's get up off that. Sis, come on, let's okay. I heard you. Valid point. I, I know you struggling, right? I know you come on, sis, though. We gotta we gotta come up out of that. And 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 I may not see it for, for what it is at that moment, but I'll be able to look back, I'll be able to have my son Kofa moment and say, Lord, my God, thank you for my sister. Mm because she reminded me of how to use my language for my benefit. Even yesterday, when we were working on, you know, scheduling and such. Even the other day, when we were working on scheduling and you said, thank you for being flexible. That is one of the easiest ways that we can use our language for our benefit and for the benefit of others. In a different scenario, someone would have said, I'm sorry, I can't do it when I say it. I'm sorry that I'm late. Oh, please forgive me for being late. I'm sorry, I gotta ask you to reschedule. I'm sorry, I gotta change the time. That does not serve anyone well, but to simply say, thank you for being flexible. Thank you for being able to change the time. Thank you for being able to work with me on the time. Thank you for being able to. Thank you for agreeing to. Thank you for being so gracious. That lands much better and it reverberates in the universe much more positively 
than saying, I'm sorry I was. I apologize that. My bad, my fault. What in the world? I mean, we going around with all the negative language. So unconsciously, that's the problem. It's so unconscious. Oh my God. <laughs> you have said so much. <laughs> and I just have to catch my breath for a second because first of all, let me just touch on that whole thing of that I'm sorry vibration. That in itself is a whole word. And because we have to think about those I am statements and whatever comes after when we say I am and I'm is just a contraction for the two words I am. So whether you're saying I'm or I am, it's the same thing. And so you're indicting yourself by saying I'm sorry. No, you're not sorry. You are divine. You are worthy. You are, you know, all of these things. You're magnificent. You are not sorry. God did not create sorry. And so when you talk about that, and so many people have it unconsciously as just a pattern of their speech, and they say it without even thinking about it. And it's like, no, you're not really sorry, but you, if you think you've offended someone or just like, I was in the store yesterday and I needed to get past someone and I said, um, excuse me. And she said, sorry. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no need to be sorry. You know, I just need to trade places with you and we can both do what we need to do. But it's just so ingrained, this idea of I'm sorry. It is, even to the point where now people think they're clever. Let me tell you, people think they're so clever because they've dropped I'm off of it. Sorry, sorry, right? Oh, no, no, no. You're still affirming it. You may not be putting I am, but you're still affirming that. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just, um, I don't know. There may be a word. I don't know. There may be a time for that. I don't know. But even when I am, um, even when I'm extending condolences to someone, I try not to say, I'm sorry for your loss. You have my condolences in the loss of your fill in the blank, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. maybe I might say I'm sorry to hear so-and-so pass, but very rarely because I'm really trying to, and, and most times I try to just acknowledge you have my condolences and may your greatest, deepest loving memories carry you through your sorrow. Like mm -hmm. I'm really trying to put it all on. I am sending you love and light in your moment of grief before I'm sorry about whatever or whatever, you know, thing. And so we have to start to use the word consciously. We are so raggedy. We are so raggedy with our words. We are so raggedy. Yeah. And I just, I tell you, it, I mean, you know, we laugh on, on social media about the grammar police and, you know, I try to you know, I try to leave my job as grammar police alone. I've tried many times. And so I don't do it as much now as I used to. But definitely when I see people using the word against themselves, that's when I really say, well, wait a minute, I can't let this stand. Like, I feel like this is my responsibility to help you to see this and to reframe this in a different way. And I'll tell you a couple of years ago, it must have been around, um, 2018, 2019, it was either the very end of 18 or the beginning of 19. 
an acquaintance here in, in um, she's a Chicago acquaintance here in Houston. And it was, the year was ending, whichever year it was. And this person was saying as the new year unfolded, probably 2020, but hey, as the new year unfolded, this is the kind of man, you know, that she's going to be looking for. Now, granted, my acquaintance simply reposted something that someone else posted. She may not have even known the person, who knows? But because she's part of my community, I wasn't going to let it stand what she wrote and just let that be okay. She wrote um, something like, or, or rather she reposted something that said like, um, I don't want a man who, I don't want a man who, Got baby mama drama, didn't finish school, been in jail, been this, been, I don't want a man who this, that, and the third. Honey, that whole laundry list was nothing but what kind of man she does not want. So I sat down and I created a response or a rewrite, a reframe to that, um, you know, to that statement. And I shared with her that. If you're spending so much time um, thinking about or putting so much energy on what you don't want, then you're not really focused on the thing that you should be focused on, which is what kind of man you actually do want. And there is a way to say all of that in the affirmative. I don't want a man with baby mama drama. I want a man who has a healthy, platonic, co-parenting relationship with his children's mother. That sounds so much that, better. <laughs> right, because isn't that what you really want? You're saying, I don't want a man with baby mama drama. Aren't you really just saying, I want someone who is platonic, co-parenting, um, easily and lovingly with the parent of their child, with the other parent. Isn't that really what you're saying you want? I don't want a man who's been in jail. Don't, aren't you really saying that you'd like a man who has uh, lived his life with, um, you know, with, with good character, you know, with ease, with good morals, you know, what have you. I don't want a man who, uh, works like this kind of okay I want a man who has a healthy work-life balance mm -hmm. I'd like to have a partner a male partner male companion lover friend homie spouse husband whatever you know who enjoys taking vacations who has a passport and wants to travel I don't want a man who just want to go to Miami okay then fine I want a man who wants to travel abroad I want a man with a passport. I want a man who wants to get visas and stamps and passport. There are so many ways to, to talk about who you don't want by simply affirming who you do want. Yes. Yeah. And the same thing with jobs, the same thing with um, homes or whatever. The first time I ever used the word consciously I manifested my dream apartment in San Diego. Beautiful. I was at the time, we knew each other by then, but before I lived on 
uh, Broadway, I lived down like in the Valley and C, C Street. But when I moved to that place on Broadway, I wrote down a list of things that I wanted. And Zanani gave me this idea. I don't remember, I wanna say it came from Iyanla, but I can't remember for sure. But it was to take the paper and divide it in half, standards and preferences. And along with it, you're gonna affirm these things also. It didn't say write down what you don't want in an apartment. It didn't say talk about what you don't want. It said talk about what you do want. Identify the things that would be nice to have and identify the things that you must have, that the unit must have. Same for a job, for a spouse, a partner, you know, whatever. And I remember using that and writing it down and speaking it out. And I left my apartment, apartment hunting one day, was walking up the street on Broadway, and this was not even where I was headed. I was headed to a specific place. I saw this place and it had a for rent sign. When I walked in, this place had huge bay windows. It was on my list. Hardwood floors on my list. Two bedrooms on my list. A backyard on my list. A small unit, only four units in the whole building. On a major street, a block from the um, bus stop by the taco shop, by the flower stand, you know, like all the things. It was 10 blocks from campus, 15 blocks from work. It was all the things. And I got that. I'm very clear that happened because I used the word in the support of myself, in support of my life. I didn't spend my time talking about, I don't want a place with carpet. I don't want a place with a hundred neighbors. I don't want a place too far from the bus. I spent my language. I spent my energy and my life. Because think about it. Isn't that how we sound? I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want... We sound like that. When you are using your language to affirm you, you sound like butterflies. I don't even know how butterflies sound, but you sound like them. And I use butterflies because we don't, they don't sound like anything. But when we think about butterflies, we think about beauty. Mm-hmm. And when we use language to affirm ourselves, it sounds like beauty. Yes. Right? It sounds beautiful. So good. And you know it. Whenever you see your friends and your family using their language and supporting themselves, you get a flurry, lovey, dovey feeling. Oh, look at my girl over there affirming that job. Oh, look at my girl affirming that money. Oh, look at my girl affirming her new clients. Look at my homie. Look at him affirming his new lover. We feel good when we see that. Mm -hmm. It feels good to see other people using the word for themselves, casting good spells upon themselves in their lives. It feels good. You're so right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This... This like I have to we have to pause now because we need to process everything that you just said. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about that. And we're going to also touch on our word and our health. So stay tuned. Welcome back, y'all. Oh, my God. Rakia is on one. I told y'all I told you to buckle up and. I'm just processing so much of what you said, but one of the things that I want to touch upon that you mentioned is 
when we think about the importance of the word and its connection biblically, especially because of the fact that it says in the beginning was the word. And so we have to know how important the word is and the word was with God, right? And the word was God. So, I mean, that right there is proof positive. And the Bible also talks about choose ye this day whom you will serve. And so we think about being the highest authority for our own lives. Then we have to know that how we use our words and the spells we cast and the spells that we hear others casting, that we must practice discernment. And so I am just so blown away and I'm, I'm fired up just based on, you know, what you talked about, the way that when we hear the word used, when we hear those good spells being cast, that good magic being cast, how it does affect us. It is a vibration and we are vibrational beings. So, so talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. I'm going to go back a minute. Okay. Because the word was God. <laughs> I'm throwing a shoe. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. You cannot separate God from the word. You cannot separate the word from God. And just for clarity's sake, y'all, I'm not talking about the Bible as we call the Bible, the word. I mean the spoken word that comes out of your mouth. Because it is the tool of creation. And what is God? The creator. And who are you made in God's image? Y'all, I hope you're understanding where I'm coming from at this moment. The word is your tool of creation. And you have been empowered to be the creator for your life, your reality and your experience. If God said, let there be, and there was, then who are you to do anything different or less than? When you say, let there be, it happens. When you say, and so it is, it is. Now, that means that when you speak that word, it will manifest it will come back unto you, however you sent it out, whatever you sent out. When we go around saying, uh-uh, the universe doesn't know that you're joking or playing, we mean that. There's no code for play words and real words. There's no code for that. At the end of the day, there are words. 
And those words vibrate and manifest. So you best be careful and be very intentional about the words that you use. Now, I just needed to add that part. Okay. Oh, yes. So. And I'm so glad that you did. I'm so glad that you did. It was important that 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 be said. And you put a period on it. And even just touching back to what you said about, you know, speaking about what we want versus what we don't want. And speaking into existence and using that word to be creators, to co-create, to design the life that we want to have. We get to do that. Absolutely. That is such a profound, beautiful, powerful gift that we have been given. Of all the things that we can do in this life, the fact that we can use our words to create is so profound. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't wave a magic wand and make people exist, you know? I can't do that. Like, I can't just say, let there be man, let there be woman. I can't say that. I mean, I can say it, but I can't actually just do it. I mean, you know, we can create life, but it takes a little bit more to it than just saying, hey, let's do it right. But I can affirm that I will have the apartment of my dreams this year and have it. Mm -hmm. I will affirm, I will have the job of my dreams this year, affirm it and, and have it. Mm -hmm. You're a prime example for that. You affirmed what kind of role you wanted to have, what kind of position you wanted to have, what kind of experience you wanted to have. And next thing you know, voila. And it didn't even take what you thought it was gonna take because for a while, you thought you're going to have to leave and transition mm -hmm. to get that experience. Mm -hmm. But you used your word. And that's the thing. And that ties into the whole notion of health and how we, our health is so centered around that. We bring unintentionally, but nonetheless, we bring so much calamity, chaos despair, disease. And oftentimes we call it just talking. <laughs> Baby, ain't nobody just talking. <laughs> Maybe dogs, I don't know. But people, <laughs> we're not just talking. I think even babies are not just talking. You may not know what they're saying, but I think they're communicating where they just come from, mm -hmm. right? But definitely grown-up people, we are not just talking. People who are using language in the way that it's intended to be used, we are not just talking. And so when we think about our emotional and mental health in particular, how we speak about ourselves is so tied to how we feel about ourselves. And how we are feeling about ourselves is so tied to how we experience ourselves in the world around us. Mm -hmm. 
I was recording earlier, I was recording my opening episode for season three of Soul Stories. And I recorded that episode four times. This is the fourth time I've recorded the episode because I haven't been satisfied. But part of what I wanted to talk about in that episode, and it ties to this, is the notion that when we are using words that are not loving and kind, it reverberates such that we then experience things that are not loving and kind in our lives. And then we start to feel that way about ourselves. And then we start to produce lives that look unkind and unloving, experiences that are unkind and unloving. We spend a lot of time creating the dramas that we experience. Now, I don't mean to suggest that someone who's sick spoke sickness, I, I'm not suggesting that. But for example, um, a couple years ago, it was the day that I was getting ready to have one of my annual vision board parties. And I was up that morning, just kind of chilling, sitting on the couch, relaxing. And I got a text from a very dear friend. And the text was just saying something like, went to the doctor, found a mass. It's malignant, level, I don't remember all the way to call it, but the one of the real severe breast cancers. And I'm sitting on the couch, wait, like, wait, what? It was like the person covered step one, two, and three, up to five, all in this one message. Wow. And I was devastated to read this about my friend. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, what are you saying? Wait, what, if, what are you saying? But I'm going to tell you what. Um, from that day forward. And. Um, two days ago would have been. Four years since that happened. Right. Four years ago. I've not once complained about my breasts since then. And anyone who knows me knows I'm constantly like, oh, I'm tired of these. I'm tired. Oh, I want to. Not now. Mm. Not now. Now I just find gratitude and say, Lord, please um, let me have an extra $50 so I can go buy a bra today. That's it. You know, Lord, thank you for the comfort that they provided, the, 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 the nourishment they provided to my children. Thank you, Lord, for having a partner who likes to cuddle there or something. I mean, I don't know, you know, <laughs> but my point is that I realized that I was being rather reckless mm. because what I also know is saying, I want to get rid of these. See, I don't get to decide how that happens. Mm. When I could just say, I want to go and have a cert, I want to have surgically, surgical reduction. I could say that, but I wasn't saying that. I was saying, I want to get rid of them. I hate them. I don't want them. I don't get to determine what happens next. Mm. Wow. Oh my so God. I stopped using the word in that way. And I started to find gratitude. Right? Yeah. And that was just in that way. 
But think about sometimes like, I hear people, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm, I don't know. I would tell students and I would always caution students about, especially in speech class and public speaking class, they're often very hard on themselves. Um, you know, you got the students who think that they're excellent speakers already, and I'm here to say, mm, you're not. <laughs> and then you got the other students who think they can't carry a whole conversation or sentence, and I'm like, okay, it's not that bad. And sometimes they would speak so poorly about themselves and their performance, and I'd say, no, 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 wait a minute. First of all, you're not an expert, so you don't even get to determine how good or how bad you are. That's my job. So first of all, stay in your own lane, right? That's, that's number one. But I would caution them that if you go around saying that you're bad or you're stupid or you're dumb, all you're going to do is reverberate that. And then you're going to start to feel that more intensely. So I would start class, especially on when we start doing speeches, I'd, I'd have them do affirmations. Yes, it's hokey, but we're going to do these affirmations. I am an excellent speaker. I speak, you know, in meaningful ways. I speak in ways that excite my audience. Like I would have them do affirmation. And, you know, some of them be like, that's so hokey. I don't care. Say it anyway. You know, and then at the end of the semester, some of them will come to me and say, wow, thank you for that. And I'm like, you should use that for all areas of your life mm -hmm. because it impacts your mental well-being. When you go around calling yourself dumb and stupid, how are you going to be successful in that when you're in putting yourself in a headspace that says something is wrong with you? Yeah. You can't overcome your language. It's just that simple. You cannot overcome the spells that are cast upon you unless you are creating better spells. Yeah. And newsflash, you don't even have to say them out loud. They're repeating inside your own head. And as they're repeating in your head, these thoughts are becoming things. What things are they becoming? They're becoming chemical reactions. Those chemicals are then being transmitted to your body through neuropsychoimmunology, which is basically the connection between how our psyche and our attitude affects our neural system and our neural system affects our immune system. And so therefore not blaming people, my heart goes out to people who are, you know, suffering and going through um, ailments and things. We are not sitting here saying, oh, you, you know, brought that on yourself. But, you know, dis-ease in the body does result or can result from being out of balance, being out of harmony with ourselves and with our environment. And so, again, coming back to, let's say, for example, we're carrying a lot of anger around or we're carrying negative emotion in particular, because it's the negative emotions that release certain chemicals that can be damaging in our bodies that cause inflammation. And then inflammation is at the root of disease. And so that's why it's so important. It's not just what's coming out of your mouth. It's what's circulating inside your head that we also need to be careful of. What's, what's that tape? What's that story that we're repeating? Absolutely. We, we spend a lot of time talking about you are what you eat. No, nah, baby, you what you think too. Yes. You are what you think and you are what you speak. 
Mm-hmm. And that is, we cannot, we're, it's like we're constantly trying to make something just this or just that. It is all of it together. Yeah. Right. Our well being does not just start with eating um, good, having good omega 3s or leafy greens. You know, our health, our wellness is also tied to what we say, what we think, all of that manifests. And, you know, it's interesting, a couple of, um, not even, well, I guess it's a couple now, a little bit before the um, pandemic started. And I remember this pretty, pretty, very clearly, actually. Um, I had gone to yoga one day, one Saturday, I went to yoga and I had been having some kind of pain in my leg, um, my knee, my leg or something. I can't remember exactly, but I've been having this pain. And after yoga, we were all just kind of sitting around chilling. And this woman, I didn't know her personally, but we have a lot of mutual friends on social media. She knows my, you know, we have mutual real friends in life. So I'm familiar with who she is. And so she's a Reiki healer. And she asked my permission to perform Reiki, you know, a little bit on me. And I said, sure, like I'm in pain. Plus I'm one of those kind of people. If you're here to help me, honey, I'm with all the modalities. I'm I'm with all the modalities, come help. And so she began, you know, to get into her zone and everything and get her hands, you know, energized or what have you. And when she started, she said, who are you mad at, sis? She's, I mean, she says, sis, I don't know this lady from nobody. She don't know me from nobody, right? Mm-hmm. She says, sis, whatever your children have done, you got to let that go. Interestingly enough, I was super pretty pissed about something related to one of my children. Super, super pretty pissed, actually. And I was like, oh, oh, okay then. Oh, I don't know how she knew it. Well, yeah, I know exactly how she knew it. And I just said, okay, sis. It was manifesting as some, as, as a matter of fact, I remember, I think my knee was swollen. It was manifesting physically. Mm-hmm. I wasn't speaking anything, but I was so stewing in and thinking it. I was stewing and thinking, stewing and thinking. And now here my thing swole, can't hardly walk, limping and all kinds of things. What we think and what we speak are just as important and perhaps even more important than what we eat. Because here's the thing. And I'm not knocking eating well, obviously. We can eat well, but it doesn't solve that internal stuff in that way. Yes, it helps our lungs and it helps our colon and it helps you know, our organs. But in addition to that, we have to consider what we are thinking and speaking. And too many times you got those of us over here, we're gonna speak love and light, but we eating all the crap. <laughs> and then sometimes you got the others of us we're going to eat all the healthy foods and leafy greens, but we got a, a nasty, dirty party going on in our heads and out of our mouths. We have to integrate all those things together, mm-hmm. right? I'm not a health and wellness coach, but you can appreciate it. We have to integrate all those things together. 
not just one or the other. In our language, I'd submit that we have more control over that than even our food. Like, yes, of course you have control over what you eat. You may not have control over it if you're not raising it or growing it yourself. So there's still some piece in there that you're um, relying on other people for to some degree. But those words, that's all you, babe. Yes. That's all you. That's all you. Period. That's it. That's all you. And that's a mic drop. That's a mic drop right there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I could just talk to you on this topic forever. But in the interest of time, y'all, Rakia, tell everybody where they can follow you and um, so they can keep hearing more of your wise words. Well, thank you so much. Um, Of course, you guys can tune in to Soul Stories, my podcast. Um, It drops on the five. So on the 5th, 10th, 15th, 20th, 25th, and 30th day of every month, you can find it on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several other platforms. You can check it out. Um, And you can always find old episodes. You can follow me on Facebook. You can actually follow. You don't have to friend me, but you can hit the follow button. And also you can follow me on Instagram. Both of those are at Rukia Michelle. That's R-U-K-I-Y-A-M-I-C-H-E-L-E, Rukia Michelle. So you can follow me there. And um, I'd love to have you, you know, um, pop in every now and then and see what's going on. I'm looking at 2022 being a wonderful, fantastic year. I know everybody says that and then stuff starts happening but I'm still expecting it to be a fabulous year um this week I turned 50 and I am looking forward to joining my sister in the 50 club and I've been so excited about getting to this milestone and you know it's so important because I was recording you know the upcoming episode for soul stories and What I realized is that 25 years ago, I was struggling and in despair. And when I look back now at my life since then, I realized that how I was able to recreate my life was largely in part about how I spoke about myself and my life. And not necessarily about how I spoke about the life I was experiencing, but how I spoke about the life that I wanted to experience. Right. And when I was recording this episode recently, I looked at the time when I was in great despair. And I remember the things that I would say about myself and my life then. And it was only when I, and what I thought more, oh yes, what I thought. When I finally started to think differently, and speak differently, I started to experience the life that I had envisioned years earlier. So if there's anything that I can say to you that remember, as Don Miguel Ruiz says, be impeccable with your word. Use your words to uplift you and others, but definitely you. Use your words in ways that empower you. Use your words in ways that make you feel capable that make you feel seen, credible, 
um, loved, smart, talented. Use words about you, for you, with you, over you, on you that resonate with the creator and that resonate with the co-creator that God has made you to be. Our yeah. words are so powerful. They're the most powerful tool you have as a human. Use it wisely. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Thank you so much, sister. I, I feel so rich. I feel, I'm just buzzing with joy and contentment from everything that you've shared. Thank you so much for sharing your light with us today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure always. Wow. I am just absolutely amazed and blown away at this conversation. I enjoyed it so much. And like I said, I could have kept going and I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. And here are some takeaways for you. Number one, when we complain, we prolong the situation that we're complaining about. So let's use our words to reframe and let's use gratitude. Number two, words can heal, words can elevate, and words can tear down. And so let's always be intentional about casting good spells over ourselves and others. Number three, when you're using language to affirm yourself, it sounds like beauty. It sounds like butterflies, whatever butterflies sound like. It's a vibration. And number four, you cannot separate God from the word. The word is the tool of creation. So I hope that you have enjoyed this episode thoroughly. And if you want to work with Rakia on your very own power language manifesto, I highly encourage you to follow her on her social media, reach out to her and say, I'm ready. I want to cast some new spells over my life. And just embrace reframing and using your language in more powerful ways. Also, I want to let y'all know that you can hang out with me on Zoom at the end of February. I'll be hosting a five-day plant-based eating workshop. So stay tuned, watch this space for that and I'll be sharing more details as the date gets closer. So if you have enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, share it with your family, your friends, your loved ones. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to this podcast and also subscribe to the Soul Stories podcast with Rakia. You can also 
post a screenshot of the episode and tag me and Rakia on Instagram, and I'll be sure to give you a shout out. And you can become a monthly supporter of the podcast at any financial amount that feels aligned for you. I know that you have many choices of podcasts that you can listen to, and I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this one and to celebrate with me and Rakia on her birthday. So thank you for listening. And as always, I wish you peace and love and have a beautiful and blessed day.